Yes. We are so blessed because this building that I'm in uh, is the community building here at Sunray Peace Village, and uh, I'm fortunate to be able to use it for the classes. And uh, it has a tin roof, and it has been raining and raining here today. Uh, most of the day it's rained, and it's just now ending. Because when it's raining on a tin roof, it is very loud. It is so loud. And I almost thought, gee, should I figure out a way to pull my car up and buy the building to get the Wi-Fi, or what am I going to do? But as God would have it, all is well. All right, let's begin with a prayer. So grateful and so thankful that the love of God is shining in our heart and our awareness. And the fullness of love is what we are. It's our very nature. It's our true identity. It's our life. It's the depth and breadth of our being. Perfect love. Yes. Just basking in the glow of that, we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self in order to recognize the truth that sets us free, in order to have a healing and let go of every false idea. We're letting go of the memories of the past that we don't need to drag with us anymore. We're grateful to let go of victim thinking and resentments, regrets, betrayals. We're having a healing, and we're doing it together. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to begin our Building Trust and Faith series. And uh, I always love this part of the curriculum because uh, it's just been so completely life-changing for me. And uh, last week, we were talking about our beliefs of how we're too much or not enough. And um, I hope that's not a mosquito. Uh, too much or not enough, these beliefs, uh, we can invest huge amounts of our time, energy, and money and attention into them, managing with them, coping with them, and uh, even just feeling miserable about them. And I certainly did, and I'd like to save everyone else the trouble of doing that. So last week, as I said, we were looking at the false beliefs we have that were too much or not enough, some version of that in our relationships. It's one of the easiest ways for us to see these false beliefs and how they impact us because most of us have them and they have a big impact and they come around again and again so fast, many times a day even. So it's easier, we're more familiar with them, we can identify with them. So the thing is, 
that our beliefs, as you've heard me say, our beliefs are not true. Truth is true. Our beliefs, for the most part, they came with us into this experience of our life, for the most part, our, our, our core beliefs. They, we brought them in that they are the unresolved decisions. We can call them karma. Either one, it doesn't matter. But these are the choices that we've made in a previous incarnation or a previous time in our life experience, however we'd like to look at it. I don't think it really matters a whole lot that we understand um, everything inside and outside of time and space. Let's just be focused on being in the flow of love now is my my methodology and my philosophy because that's where my good is and might be a mosquito um <laughs> and so i now recognize that the beliefs i had about something being wrong with me or me being too much or not enough, that I brought those things with me and that my family were the perfect people to trigger these beliefs to help me pay attention to them and heal them. And for me, it took me being just completely miserable before I finally said, enough! There has to be a better way. So I, I really do feel that by speaking about this and sharing about this, that you will share with others and word will spread that we don't have to go down this route because these things are not actually true. So when something is a belief, it's not actually true. It's our interpretation. A Course in Miracles, Lesson 190, uh, I quote it a lot because it's just so simple and so clear. Lesson 190 is pain is a wrong perspective. And if we can just always remember that, if we're in any kind of pain, mentally, emotionally, or physically, we have a wrong perspective. Even if we have, we could say, financial pain, relationship pain, any kind of pain at all. Pain is a wrong perspective. So what is the wrong perspective? It's always this. I am not one with my creator. I am separate from the flow of good. That's always the wrong perspective. And so we don't have to be able to really relinquish the false belief. This is the great news of A Course in Miracles. The Good News Bible is in A Course in Miracles, and that good news is we just have to be willing to let go of it. We don't have to know how to let go of it. We just have to be willing to say, Holy Spirit, I don't need this anymore. I'm really done with this. Now, we might snatch it back, but then we realize we've got to burning hot coals in our hands. Oh, we put it back on the altar, right? So that's what I talked about in the prayer power classes, about put it on the altar, leave it on the altar. 
It's not your problem anymore. Don't take it back. You don't need any problems. You don't want your problems back. Leave it on the altar. And that's where it can feel to the ego uh, identification. If we're identified with ego, leaving it on the altar, sometimes we forget. We grab it. We've got it back. We've been walking around with it all day, all week, all month, and suddenly we go, ah, I picked it up again. When did that happen? doesn't matter. I'm putting it back on the altar now. Uh, sometimes we we put it on the altar and then we're like, no, I want that back. Uh, no, I don't want it. Put it back. Oh, no, I want it back. We, we do that, right? So we've all had that experience of where uh, we wish to stop judging some situation, ourselves, someone else, and it feels excruciating, right? Have you had that experience? Or it just feels excruciating, like, dang, why do I have to keep thinking about this? And um, I went through a period where I just was absolutely obsessed with these attack thoughts uh, about my, my sweetheart at the time. And I could not stop uh, criticizing and judging and complaining about him. It was just, oh, it was so relentless. And that taught me so much. So it was very painful because I felt like such an abject failure that I couldn't stop judging for even a few minutes. Oh, my goodness. And I felt like I was in some kind of hell that I just couldn't stop. I couldn't get dominion over my mind. But the good news is, again, that that experience is how I learned beyond a shadow of a doubt just give the doing of it to the Holy Spirit. It was out of desperation that I just said, please, please take these thoughts out of my mind, please. And I was so troubled by them, I was saying it again and again and again throughout the day. And that's how I learned to keep partnering up a hundred times a day, literally, if that's what it takes to change my mind, I'm going to keep doing this until... I'm washed clean of it. So all it takes really is for us to get to that tipping point of 51%. We're 51% more interested in the truth than we are in our interpretation, our story, the meaning we've made of it. All right, so going back to the uh, last week, what we were looking at is these false beliefs of I'm too much, I'm not enough, <coughs> that keep repeating in our relationships and that are so intensely painful for most of us. So, and we, we began to just on the edge look at, all right, this belief is the cause. What is the effect? The belief is the cause. What is the effect? understanding cause and effect is how we really move into that deep trust and faith being willing to know that cause and effect is a universal law that never has even a half a second break right so it's not like a cell tower that goes down or something it doesn't go on vacation it's constant eternally constant and we are all subject to the laws of cause and effect. There are no exceptions, none. 
none. And this is the good news because our thoughts, when we align with love, when we align with peace, when we align with harmony and truth and compassion, our thoughts are so, so powerful. So, so powerful. And one of the reasons, or as far as I can tell, the main reason why we are afraid of our power and we play small is because we do not wish to take responsibility for every thought we think. feels like a burden. We feel like, oh, I, I can't. Well, that's too hard. I can't take responsibility for every thought I think. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Um, Edwin Gaines is a unity minister and she teaches uh, prosperity and she says the key to prosperity is to stop complaining and if you can just stop complaining for 28 days you'll see your whole life changes prosperity comes flying in and so she says so just start this practice of giving up all complaining no more complaining for 28 days and she said and if you find yourself complaining just start over again at which point most people go oh no start over again so then they start complaining about this program of stopping complaining right no I'm just kidding but really that is the feeling like what I can't do that and um, I remember, and I may have shared this in this class already, I remember hearing some teenage friends of mine, they went to hear Edwin Gaines and they were talking about the no complaining for 28 days, and they were just like, oh yeah, I can't do that. I can't do that. Just can't be done. I can't do that. And it's interesting. So they were about 13, I think, at the time when I heard them say that. Just giving up complaining in general, never mind that it, it actually will increase your prosperity. Just it, it will increase the all good in your life. There's, complaining is not necessary. It's not helpful and it's not worthwhile. There's no part of complaining that's helpful. No part of it. It's self-destructive is actually what it is. But it's also a habit. It's a habit. And for, it's a, it, for me, it was a very, very strong habit. Judging, complaining, criticizing, uh, being opinionated. These were just the strongest habits that I had. Attack thoughts. And so now I see it as my gift because I made myself so unhappy that I uh, really... I, I I made it my life's work to to share this, Rosalind. Yeah, I wanted to ask you: Did did we mean complaining that we way you usually think of it, where you say it out loud, or a judgmental complaining thought that you had silently? Did you include yes. that too? Yes, thoughts too. Yes, yeah. wow. I know that's where it's like son of a gun. You know, you know, I, I've done this and I never made it through 28 days, but I did find that just being vigilant, noticing the habit, it decreased and the feeling of well-being um, of, of prosperity really, it was an inverse relationship. The less I complained, 
the better I felt. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I know I've proved this for myself. I, 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 um, I'll confess, I never counted the days. I'm, I'm just going for every day, forever, for the rest of my life. And the thing for me is my practice of self-compassion and self-forgiveness is not to have any judgments about when I'm criticizing or complaining. Yeah. Thanks for that, Rosalind. That's helpful. So cause and effect, looking at the core beliefs that you touched on last week uh, that are the core beliefs you've had about yourself in relationship, the negative core beliefs that are triggered in relationship, what is the effect of them? So going back to what were those beliefs last week and what is the effect of them? How do you see them showing up in your life, in your world, in your experiences? Are you able to clearly identify how those beliefs or even one of them is showing up and demonstrating in your life? It's having an effect that the thought is the cause. Because every thought that we choose to invest our attention into, that we place our awareness into, that we shine the light of our God awareness into, is going to show up and manifest on the screen of our life somewhere, somehow. A Course in Miracles in the Fear and Conflict section, which is right immediately precedes the Cause and Effect section, in chapter two, in that fear and conflict section, Jesus says, all thoughts produce form at some level. And that's really helpful to remember. All thoughts produce form at some level. So what are the levels and what is form? So form is, uh, our experiences, our emotions. It's also other thoughts, right? It's, it's our situations and circumstances. It's the stuff of our life. So our, our thoughts can produce wonderful things. Like, did you read my blog, uh, about the salmon, manifesting the salmon? Did you read that? I was thinking about salmon all day and then, the salmon appeared, and uh, and I just think that's an absolute like, because people people think oh that stuff doesn't work, but imagine manifesting a piece of wild caught salmon in a campground in a tiny little burg in Vermont. It was just a wish that I had. You know, I didn't go around asking people, do you have any salmon? Do you have any salmon? Do you have any salmon? No, I just happened to go into the one and only kitchen in this campground where I'm staying. And I started cooking some vegetables because I didn't have any salmon. And someone said, I'm making salmon. Would you like some salmon? That it was the effect of me thinking I'd like to have some salmon without attachment, without needing it, wanting it, craving it, and without thinking, very importantly, 
without thinking, I can't have it, I won't have it, I don't have it. Just like, that's what I'd like. Now, had I not been thinking of salmon, this is how I look at the way the world works, and that's so important for us in building trust and faith. I look at, well, had I not been thinking about the salmon, what would have occurred? Perhaps the woman who made the salmon and offered it to me, she might have been thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? And she might have thought, I'm going to make a peanut butter sandwich. I'm going to make a, a grilled cheese. I'm going to make a hamburger. Whatever, right? But I really believe that the effect her offering me the salmon came from the cause of my planting that seed in the divine soil with my thought, I'd like to have some salmon. So now I've, I, I, there have been a number of times when I've thought over the years, over the many, I've been counseling people for 18 years. And just being honest, there are days when I think, ah, I don't feel like doing a session today. Or, I don't, oh, Oh, I booked myself. I have too much to do. I don't really have time for that session. Hmm. And I'm not kidding you. I will get an email within an hour as, you know, can we reschedule that session? It's, it's not like it happened to me once. It's happened to me. It's all, I, I have now, like, if I start thinking, if I start going down the road of, I don't feel like, no, I'm not even going down that road. I made the commitment, I'm doing the session. Even though it might turn out to be um, perfectly good, um, anyway, I just, I've just learned I have to really keep my attention on what I'd like and what's important and, and how my thoughts will affect all the people around me. And having all these demonstrations in form keeps my mind uh, focused on what I'd like. And when it's something that I wouldn't like, I really change my mind off of, I don't dwell on it. You know, I can say I don't like that. I allow myself to acknowledge what I don't like. And uh, one of the ways that I acknowledge what I don't like is I say, um, I say, well, when, when I've made a, uh, a mistake, I say, oh, there's a tactical error. I can learn from that, and I'll do it differently next time. Uh, sometimes there are things that I do that uh, might be a so-called tactical error, and I might say, oh, well, look at that. I just learned that's not the best way to do that. I can be grateful for that, and I really i have trained myself to look at everything in a positive light. It doesn't mean that sometimes I, I don't go, hey, who ate my cake? I was saving that. Oh, mm, disappointed. You know, just allow myself to have my feelings. But I don't have to start thinking attack thoughts about whoever ate the cake, right? I can just get over it and go on. And so it's, it's totally liberating. It is completely liberated. Why would I want to spend the night thinking about who ate the cake 
and how to punish them for eating the cake. That's not what I want to put my time on. But I used to do things like that. I used to do things like that every day. Every day. I, I put so much time and energy into thinking, how can I punish them for eating the cake or not calling me or whatever, you know, just whatever. I was so aggressively attacking. So... Form. All thought produces form at some level. Form can be how we feel about things. Form could be we stub our toe. Form can be we crash our car. Form can be uh, someone gives us a piece of salmon. Form can be, again, it can be more thoughts. It can be feelings. And it can be people canceling appointments. It can be um, somebody offering to pay your rent for a year. It can be all manner of things. It could be running into somebody that you haven't seen in 10 years, uh, but you thought about them two days ago, and you thought how nice it would be to see them again, and then there they are. It can be all kinds of things in this 3D human experience. So all thought produces form at some level. What are the levels? Mentally, emotionally, physically, and you could say energetically or etherically. Okay? Things that are in the etheric realm or the etheric body, one of our subtle bodies, like a, an emotional body, that's a subtle body. Mental body, that's a subtle body. Etheric body is a subtle body. And so etheric body, you could think of where causation lives. You could think of our, our etheric body as where uh, our beliefs li live. Uh, not that they live, uh, but that's where they, they are um, being held. Let's say that they're being held. So we can clear things, and this is what forgiveness does. We're clearing things at the etheric level so they don't make their way into form, into causation, into our experiences, that we can do the healing at the level of the mind, and then it just clears all these things in our life. So, for instance, um, uh, I'm going to give you an example in relationship. Um, yes, that banging around in the background, Mitzi, is the rain on the tin roof. Sorry about that. Um, I, if, if it's bothering anybody, I can just go grab a noise-canceling headset and wear a headset. So just, just let me know if it's bothering you uh, because um, I, I wouldn't want it to bother you. Uh, and it's easy enough. I just have a headset on the other side of the room. Uh, so, thank you, Missy. Uh, so, um, thank you. So, I had a, I have a friend who uh, we were friends for a couple of years. We're still friends, but I haven't seen this friend in years, years, quite a few years, eight years, quite a few years, and uh, absolutely adore this person. And 
we had this thing that we'd get together, spend the afternoon together, the day together, just have a wonderful time, really wonderful time. It took me a long time to realize that pretty much every time we got together, within the last half hour or so, my friend would pick a fight, would find something that I'd done that was outrageous, aggressive, mean, inconsiderate, obnoxious, some degree of tremendous offense. And then I'd be like, whoa, no, no, no. Why would you interpret it that way? And I'd be trying to explain and defend and all that. And uh, I'd say, no, 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 I, that, I had no, that was not my intention. Why interpret it that way? Oh, I know you, I know that's what you meant. And I'd be like, uh, no, no, come on. And uh, I finally, it dawned on me, this is separation anxiety. And, and that my friend loves being with me so much that the, when it came time for us to uh, be apart from each other, it would cause this anxiety that would precipitate my friend finding a reason to not to be so upset, so angry with me, so disappointed in me that the um, the longing for connection and the the joy and the intimacy would be um, Rosalind, you could probably explain this better than me. Can you explain separation anxiety? Just add a little more to help people get clear on it. Uh, yeah, well, it usually happens um, in childhood when the child becomes uh, aware that, let's say, when they're mobile at a year or 18 months and they move away from their beloved parent, whoever that is, and then they start to become self-conscious and anxious that they could be alone. Fast forward, um, if, that, if that anxiety was not um, calmed in a way that the child could then use it to soothe themselves, then it would come up again when parting would happen with an adult because they never learned the confidence. For example, if... Um, if, uh, let's say, the child was feeling uh, their independence and, and maybe not coming when the parent called, and if the parent would scare the child and say, okay, I'm going to leave you here if you don't come now, then that would make the child more anxious about separating. So the opposite of that would be a parent that was available both for, for leaving and for coming for both. So does that is kind of fit with what you were looking for, Jennifer? Yes, thank you. They're very helpful, Rosalind. So once I realized this, I went, oh, okay, I get it. So I said to the Spirit, Holy Spirit, I, I don't know how to heal this. No idea, no clue. And But what I do know is I don't wish to participate in this conversation anymore this you know because then like I'd say I have to leave at five 
So the fight would be started at 4.30 or quarter to 5. And then I'm there at 5.15 or 5.30 still trying to bring peace and harmony because that's so important to me. And it's just not possible. It is not possible. And so finally, my friend would just storm off. And then I'd get these really angry emails and accusations and all that stuff. And so I just said, I just... I don't wish to experience this anymore. So I said, Holy Spirit, I'm giving this to you. Make this holy. And um, I've never seen or talked to my friends since the last time that, that this happened. And what was amazing was I, I just felt totally at peace about it because I absolutely knew I had clearly given it to the Holy Spirit for healing. And I put my faith and trust in the Holy Spirit. And it was just so clear that everything that I needed to learn was learned. The healing I needed to have about trying to fix my friend or make my friend feel better or be dysfunctionally compassionate with my friend. I, I that was healed. I learned the, the only lesson I really need to learn was stop managing and coping with problems. Just stop it. Give it to the spirit for healing and the spirit will heal it. So as spirit would have it, I never have talked with or seen my friend since then. But if my friend walked in the door right this minute, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'd be so happy to see my friend because I have no animosity, no hostility, no resentment, no regret. Everything's good. And that's a holy relationship. So I know it's holy. And I have no fear about it, or I don't wonder or worry about it. And really, the only time I think about it is when I share this in class. Uh, and so the, the, the cause for me uh, of all that going into all those conversations with my friend and having all of that was I had a belief that I should try to fix the people around me. I should try to help them in, in a way that would be like they're broken and need to be fixed. And she was really the last person I looked at as being broken. And, um, I mean, that was her belief. And I took on her belief that she was broken. And... I, I needed to fully let the idea that people are broken go so that I could see everybody as whole. And she helped me to do that, and I'm very grateful for that. So cause and effect. There's so many examples I can give, but what I think would be most helpful now is if we could go into a breakout. And if you in the breakout can... If you don't already know, discern some of the effects, the tangible effects that you experience in this world mentally, physically, and emotionally, as well as circumstantially, that are the effects of, that are caused by your belief in relationships, particularly. I just think it's so helpful to clear those out because our relationships have so much to do with our self-identity. And we're really healing that false identification of separation. So if you particularly can look at separation beliefs, 
right? All false beliefs are separation beliefs. But if you can really see the separation and how it's playing out in the effect, in the effect. So the belief that's the cause and the effect in your relationships. So uh, it felt like that was a really good one. What... Uh, did anybody have any ahas, any learning? Can, can you give some examples of how the, uh, the law of cause and effect is playing out in your relationships and your, you're seeing your beliefs made manifest, your thoughts made manifest? I'd be shocked if every single one of you can't see that. So, anybody give share some examples? Well, I'm not going to force anyone to. So, all right, Felicia. Hey, um, my example was with my relationship with my son and my former husband and my son lives with a former husband and I have a belief that he's not being well cared for as far as food and um, he also has some skin conditions that I have um, researched and I believe that is candidia. So I've researched what um, cures to, to get rid of it, and I got he he wanted me to purchase the supplements for him. So I did. I he was with me. I took him home, and I went out to Whole Foods to get the supplements, like I said I would. And then um, it was time for me to come back. Um, to my house, so I needed to drop them off. And former husband says, just um, take him to him at work. So I thought, oh, great. This, So that's what I did. And then when I was there, he said, um, oh, well, he mentioned, I had briefly mentioned to him about another way would be to do a fruit diet, only fruit for I said, why don't you just try three days for a fruit diet and see what you think about it? And he was like, mm, I don't know. You know, he's 16. So, And then um, when I took the supplements, he mentioned that he said, I mentioned the fruit diet to dad. And he said something to the effect, well, tell her to buy it. Well, that triggered me. And I said, well, um, Jacob, would you be willing to buy it? Is that something you would like to do? He was like, sure. So I proceeded to go to the grocery store, and I got three days' worth of various fruits, enough to carry him through. And then I took it to their house. And um, he was not happy. Well, the former husband was not happy about that and said, well, I didn't ask you to do it. And um, I said, I know, but... Um, our son needs it, so he asked me to do it, so here it is. And he said, well, I don't know why you waste your money. He's not going to eat it anyway. And I thought, I had, a, I had a doubt in my mind. Oh, he might be right. So I planted that thought. So it's it's been drama unfolding in the past um, three days around this. 
mm-hmm. with, with um, Jacob asking for my help. Oh, oh, mom, um, when do I take the cleanse? When do I take the probiotic? Um, when do I do the um, essential oils? Tell me again how to do that. So at first he was enlisting me to help, but then I took it on. And I start questioning, well, what fruits have you had? At first, he was going along with it. And then the second day, he was like, <laughs> not responding. So, um, I said, okay, since you're not responding, I'll take it that you didn't like your fruits to take the work for you. But I know it's a difficult thing to do. And tomorrow, you can, um, just, it's a new day. You can start over tomorrow and be prepared to take them. Well, this day comes about, and he's not responding again. So um, I, I was telling in my group how I just wanted to jump in, but I've been letting it control my mind today. It's like, yeah, I've just said, in full blast, what can I do? Which way can I go now? How can I get him to talk? And, you know, just on and on and off, basically wearing myself out. And... Um, Finally, I just um, did some meditation and let it go. And then it was almost time for class. And so here in class, so it was a fresh thing to talk about. And while I was telling the story, he um, he popped in through text. I forgot to silence my phone saying, oh, I have watermelon today. <laughs> so we come up with um, my beliefs like, oh, you know, some that I'm not a good enough mother was one of the underlying beliefs. Yeah, so it's really, how does it feel that you can see your beliefs made manifest? How does that feel? Well, it's it's definitely more eye-opening. And it's like, oh, wow. Um, my beliefs really do play out here. I, I'm seeing firsthand. It makes it more um, more easy to identify once you you see it. Yes. And uh, any other feelings about this? Um. About knowing that your beliefs are manifesting? Any other thoughts or feelings about that? Like, oh, I would like to start doing something about these beliefs and, and not having them play out in my life like they are. That's it. High five to you. Because, <laughs> Felicia, that's it. That, that's spiritual maturity right there. That when we recognize, oh, I'm the dreamer of the dream. My thoughts are being made manifest. I'm trying to change them, but they're just manifesting my thoughts. They're being influenced by my thoughts. It's, they don't need to change. Seek not to change the world, but to change my mind about the world. So this is the law of cause and effect in in action. So if we're looking at somebody and thinking they're an idiot, they're an idiot, they're never going to get it right, they're always doing it wrong, 
they don't have any choice practically unless they have a very strong mind and very strong will. They're going to probably keep showing up that way. And even if all their mistakes and errors and problems, so-called problems, seem to uh, are rather are, are completely eliminated, the person who thinks that they're bad, they're stupid, they're wrong, uh, and is energizing that will still see things differently than they actually are. Because um, th this is one of the primary messages of A Course in Miracles is that we don't see what's actually there. We see through the lens of our past experience and our false beliefs. So what we, we see what we want to see, and we don't see what we don't want to see. So uh, that's where I, I think of Michael Beckwith's uh, thing that he used to say, when you believe more in what you don't see than what you do see, then you will see what you don't see. And you won't see what you don't see, uh, what you do see, rather. So, in other words, when you believe more in spirit and the power of our correct thinking than in what we see in the world, then we'll stop seeing the effect because the cause has changed. So this is where you can do an experiment where you can really change your mind uh, and surrender those thoughts that your son is not being well taken care of. And you can start to affirm that God is taking care of your son. Your son is God's son and God is taking care of your son. And your child is God's child and God is taking care of your child. And that everything in your child's life is working together for his good. And there are no exceptions. And everything is gently planned for him and for you, for your former husband, uh, for our good, for every person, for our good. And you're not going to energize that this could not be for his good. So how do we know how your son's candida could possibly be for his good? We don't know. We don't know. We don't have to understand it. We can just affirm that it is. Just like my, um, you know, different things in my family that were difficult for me have actually turned out to be for my good because now I have a, a greater understanding and compassion things that I can share with thousands of people about, and that's a really good thing, and I'm grateful for it. But I couldn't see it then, couldn't see it then at all. It just seemed like I was in a crap storm, and I hated it. But now I see, oh, no, this is for my good. So we have to trust that this is for your son's good. And the only thing that's going to help him to see that is for you to release all judgment that somehow this is not for his good. And, you know, keep affirming uh, whenever doubt comes into your mind. Uh, my son's mind is the mind of God, and infinite intelligence is operating through his mind, his emotional body, his physical body, and every aspect of his life. My son is wise and Divine wisdom is active in his mind. His mind 
is the mind of God. Divine intelligence is at work in every cell, fiber, and function of his body temple. My son is being lifted uh, up by the spirit. And so this is, this is where our relationships are so helpful to us, uh, is, is that they're so challenging. I mean, what could be more challenging than your son has got a health concern and you'd like to be able to help him, but you are, you can only help him so much. He has to learn to help himself. And that, that's super challenging. That's super challenging. That would be very challenging for me. And this is exactly the kind of challenge that every single one of us has in the sense that every single one of us, I have yet to meet one person that's exempt, but we all get the perfect challenges that really twist us up inside, really turn us around inside, and we feel obsessed uh, thinking about the negative thought, the thing we don't like, the thing we don't want, and worrying and being fearful and being angry and resentful or ashamed and guilty. It's just some form of intense upset. And it's like a, a, a sore tooth. You just keep running your tongue over it, except it's not a sore tooth. It's like it's something that really bothers us. I just have yet to meet one person that's exempt from feeling something that's like much worse than a splinter. It's like a splinter with an infection. And that it's that thing that has escalated to that point that we can no longer allow it to fester. And that's part of why you're in Masterful Living now is that you just couldn't let it fester anymore and you had to take dominion over your mind and do the only thing that's ever going to really heal anything back to the root cause and eliminate the problem forever. And that's to work at the level of the mind. And it's so much easier to do it in a group or with prayer partners, with counselors, with lots of hand holding and uh, encouragement and connection. So if we can, each take our thing, whatever it is, and say, this is my blessing. As I'm not cursed by this. I'm blessed by this. And I demand to experience my blessing. And I'm willing to do what it takes to see this as my blessing and to receive it as my blessing. So I'm wondering if anyone has, I, I mean, I, I, pretty much most people that I've done a one-on-one -on -one with, we've talked about it, we've recognized it, we've seen it. Uh, our, and the thing is, is not to manage and cope with it in the world of form. To really stop doing that. And it's, it's, it's so tempting to do it. Because I, I have to say, Felicia, I, I would be out there buying the fruits too. Most of us would. But the more effective method is to work at the level of the mind and to see that your son has dominion, to see that the mind of God is operating in your son's mind and that everything is working together for his good. And it may or may not be that the appearance of candida disappears now 
or later. We don't know what the highest and best is. So this is why we train ourselves to pray for the highest and best. Highest and best, highest and best. What else could we wish for but the highest and best? If we think that somebody's highest and best is this or that, we're we're presuming that we know something that we, we probably do not know. And it's spiritual arrogance to think we know what other people's highest and best is. You know, for some people that highest and best might be that they have another year of drug addiction. It's not what we wish they would experience But we don't know. We just don't know. And especially for myself, working with people over the course of a number of years, we get to really see how, oh, now I see how that was highest and best. But I couldn't see it then because it wasn't ours to see then. It's not ours to see now. Part of what we're learning to do is have trust and faith in spirit. How we learn to really have trust and faith is we can't see in all directions of time and space. We can't see the causation. We can't see the highest and best outcome. We have to learn to have trust and faith. Being able to have trust and faith, it's like this. For me, I realized, okay, I would like to have the kind of trust and faith that I could be in the densest fog ever. And I used to live in Maine, where the fog is, they say, oh, it's thick of fog today, you know, with that thick Maine accent. But it, it can be so thick, the fog can be so thick, you literally could put your hand out here, you can't really see your hand. It's, it can get so intensely thick. So that I could be in the thickest fog and have absolute clear sight. That kind of faith, that my faith would cut through all appearances and I would have no doubt and I would be able to stand solidly on the rock with trust and faith in God no matter what was happening. Even if somebody was coming at me with a knife about to stab me, I would feel safe. That kind of faith. And you know what? I mean, the bears around here, they don't eat people. But I've had bears coming right up to my tent and felt in faith that I was safe. I was concerned, but I was not terrified. That's faith, because I put my faith in God, because the bear and I, we share the same mind. Plus, there's no, there's, what's, I, I, I just don't see any advantage to a bear slicing up my tent. I don't have anything that bear wants. I have some nice clothes, and I have a comfy bed, but that's not what the bear is looking for. It's looking for food. I don't have any food in my tent. I don't eat any food in my tent, so I'm not worried about it. Anyway, Felicia, is that helpful to you? Absolutely, yes. We have to train our minds to be vigilant because we've been vigilant for the ego. We must be vigilant for God now. And so when we're worried, when we're afraid, when we're concerned, we're being, the the ego's in charge. The vigilance is for the ego. And uh, I really do know that um, everything is happening for the highest and best. I haven't been able to keep that. Right. 
Yeah, and that's it. We're, it's, it's developing that spiritual muscle that will not be moved. So that's why this is a perfect thing for you to help uh, your mind. And you doing that will bring your son benefit for the rest of his life. Tremendous yeah. benefit. I've already seen some benefit from that very same. This is just uh, another facet of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So having confidence in your son's uh, God intelligence rather than um, even, you know, because that's the thing is we send, we place seeds of doubt in our loved one's minds sometimes or in people's minds. I've learned to be very careful about planting seeds of doubt in other people's minds. Uh, and people do it all the time and they do it unconsciously. They plant seeds of doubt. Um, let's see if someone else has an example of planting a seed. Maybe somebody planted a seed of doubt in your mind. You let that that seed in anybody uh, or maybe you've done it to someone else can anybody think of a seed of doubt planting that you're aware of Jeannie um, well the one that I see um, is with my daughter and so I see that I plant seeds of doubt in um, her not being capable to, to do the work, to, to, to get what she needs to do for college. And um, when I step back, I'm like, she's capable. There's plenty. She'll find her way. God's going to lead her. But I, but there's this uh, community of like you have to do it this way and you have to take these tests and get this score and there's all this pressure to do these all these activities that um, I look and I go it's so much more work than when I went to college and um, uh, and I would wish that for myself I would like time off in summer versus studying for the next college exam you know. Um, so I, I do see where I'm planting that, and and I'm working to let go of that. I just feel um, the challenge of it because it's it's in the air around me, right in the community. Well, you know, sometimes our role is to be the one who turns the tide. I see that in my life a lot. So um, what keeps coming to me is uh, I shared recently about uh, going to, I think it was in the radio show, going to Bar Harbor with my family for a whale watch. And we were in two, car, two full cars and it was very crowded. And my mom said, oh, we'll never be able to find a parking space. And I said, Yes, we will, and we only need two. We'll find two, and uh, our car only needed one, but we had two cars. So, um, and then she went, "Well, you're probably right. You usually are," or something like that. And 
so in that sense, for her, the she didn't need to be right about the parking lot. She didn't actually want to be right about the parking lot because she just wanted to get out of the car. We've been in the car for over an hour. But um, we we do that sowing seeds of uh, people will sow seeds of doubt. You know, this is never going to work, blah, blah, blah. And I many, many times I've gone into situations and said, um, you know, if it doesn't work, then that's that that'll point us in the direction of something new to discover. But uh, I, I have faith it can work if it's the highest and best for us. So let's see what we can do here. And because uh, it, it, when I go into a situation feeling very strong and absolutely confident that if it doesn't work out, I don't need to try to make it work. I can allow whatever spirit is leading me to. And people will come along with me because I my mind is clear. And um, But I I used to regularly sow seeds of doubt in people's minds as a way of trying to control them or manipulate them. And many times I was not even aware of it. Um, or just because I had doubts, I had fears. So, you know, it would be things like, um, uh, you know, oh, that's going to be really hard to get into. You know, you can apply, but, oh, it's really, really hard to get into. Like, well, it doesn't matter how hard it is to get into. It doesn't matter if there's one opening for one billion people, per one billion people. It doesn't mean that this person can't get in. People would say to me things like that, oh, that program's really hard to get into. You probably won't get in. And I'd be like, well, if it's meant to be, I'll be in. I'd like to be in, so I'm going to leave it at that. I don't have to say it's hard to get in, that they only take one out of a thousand people. It doesn't matter. I'd like to be in there. And if it's good for me, I will be in there, done, moving on. And I'm not going to accept your, oh, it's hard to get into. Because even if it is one out of one billion people who gets in, that doesn't make it hard to get in. It doesn't. Think about it. It just means that if there's seven billion people, only seven people are going to get in. But that does not mean it's hard to get in. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's so important for us to really understand how this world works. If we believe it's difficult, we're going to want it to be difficult so our ego can be right. I have spent years of my life thinking it's going to be hard and then proving it so I could be right. I've spent years of my life proving that they don't really love me so I could be right. I've spent years of my life proving they don't understand me so I could be right. So I would have a reason to be miserable. And then I could collapse into my misery and say, you see, it's just too hard. Nobody loves me. I'm all on my own. Blah, 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 blah. Pity party, right? Pain train. And so, and I did it all seriously, half knowing I was doing it to myself, that I had other choices, but I didn't want to make them because this way I could be right. 
And being right was so important to me. So we're at time here. This is a really rich subject, obviously. And it really is about where, this is the crux of it right here. Don't leave till the crux. <laughs> so the crux of it is we always, every second, we're putting our faith in something. And there's only two choices. Some people would say love or fear. I say oneness or separation, but you could also say ego or spirit. Just, we're always placing our faith in one of two things. And how you know which it is, is by how you feel. That's how you know, by how you feel. All right. I'm just wondering, you know, Anna Marie, could I tell your story about your husband and the dentist from a few years ago? Remember when you were concerned about um, whether or not he should have the root canal? Yeah, no, that's fine. You can tell that. But maybe I can quickly tell another story. Uh, okay. My husband is... He's really, um, he has a hard time to walk around or so because he has a roller uh, because his muscles are not very strong anymore. And, uh, but he has sometimes things that suddenly appear when he goes to bed. Then uh, he, after an hour, he would sit up in his bed and he would uh, call me and say, so I would ask, what do you want to do now? What do you like to do? And then he tells me, I want to go to bed, not knowing that he's on his own bed, you know. And somehow he has some kind of insecurity, I don't know. And so it happened one night, it happened about five times during the night. Every hour he would call me again. And then the next evening, I said to him, look, you don't have to worry about anything. You have your angels around you. The Holy Spirit is with you. This is your bed, and you are, you, you are fine. You are whole. All is well for you. And just think of your angels and the Holy Spirit and all that. And, you know, he said to me, thank you, and he slept all night. <laughs> Beautiful. And, and it happened just last night again, the same thing. You know, he, he called me and he said, um, I want to go to bed, and he just was lost again, you know. And when I told him the same thing, he realized he, he's with with spirit, you know, with spirit. Yes. Anyway, oh. that's just a short story. And 
go ahead, tell them the story about the dentist, you know, that's fine. You know, you know what? I think that was the perfect thing for us right now. And I'll t tell about the dentist next week. All right. Yeah, thank you. Spirit but news. I just want to know you to know that this lesson today is so important for me. It's a support to me. It's a realigning with spirit, and I thank you. Yes. Yeah, thank you, too. Thank you, Marie. All right. So here we go. Let us pray more on trust and faith. We'll be doing a few weeks on this because it's, it's so uh, critical to our journey and, and where we're heading. So let's take this breath of love and gratitude together. So grateful and thankful that the peace of God is in our mind because our mind is the mind of God. We're partnered up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we go forth in trust and faith, willing to discover the truth of our being, our true identity. We're grateful and thankful to lay all problems and concerns on the altar and to leave them there. So we gratefully and thankfully share our lessons, our learning, our healing, our expansion, our clarity with everyone because we're one with them. In deep, deep gratitude, we let the healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Beautiful. Mwah. God bless. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. Okay. Glad you were here, Betty. <laughs> now I go to sleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye. Have a great week.